You're watching the Mondays with Midja podcast. Midja is founder and CEO of Legal Leadership, a company specialising in the leadership training and coaching of lawyers. Get set to jumpstart your week with a shot of mojo as Midja and her guests talk all things life, love and leadership. Hey, it's Monday and I'm Midja and welcome to the podcast all about life, love and leadership. And in the podcast studio today, I have a wonderful guest, Anushka Dowling, and I had the pleasure of meeting Anushka when I was doing the fundraising for Dancing CEOs and we did a fundraising event at the Audi Centre with Future Females Raising Money for Women's Legal Services Queensland. Um, and Anushka just blew me away. It's the first time I'd met her. I thought, I've got to find more about this woman who just I got this amazing vibe from. So welcome, Anushka, to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. My pleasure. So, Anushka, of course, before the guests come on the podcast, I do a bit of Googling of um, on them, and but always keen to find out first something that I wouldn't have found out by Googling you? Something about yourself? Mm, something you wouldn't have found out. Probably um, more hidden in Google would be the fact that I'm adopted. Uh, I was born in Sri Lanka and I was adopted by a white Australian family when I was a baby. So my whole world, my family, everywhere I went <coughs> was very white. So I was very different. Everywhere I went, I stood out. In my family, I stood out. And I think that there's a really, now that I'm getting older and I've had my own children and finding helping them find their way in the world, I realise now how much that's connected to the work that I do now. Every day I realise yeah. how much more of a connection there is. Absolutely. So I did see kind of snippets of that when I was looking at some of your bios and just you right. know some of the work that you'd done. And so maybe from context, from context point of view, people that don't know what you do right now, I know you wear a number of different sort of hats, um, but under the same kind of passion that you have. So talk to us a little bit about what you do. So I work with the MATE program at Griffith University and MATE is all about, we call it a personal leadership program. It's a leadership program. It's about our personal leadership uh, and how we can use our leadership to become effective bystanders. So how you and I, regardless of who we are, our title, our role, our level of authority, how you and I can work together to understand issues like violence, violence against women, but also racism, bullying and harassment. So how we can understand and see and recognise violence, abuse, discrimination, harmful behaviour and... <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. And do something. How we can recognise it, respond to it, but also prevent it. Because these things don't happen in a bubble. People don't yes. usually wake up one day and say, "I just can't wait to do some harmful shit to people." Yeah. Right? They belong to this culture and this society that helps to support their ideas and their attitudes and their beliefs, and that's where the behaviour comes from. Mm. So the values then that are important to you, um, you know, when I was reading about the work you'd done, you know, things like equality and fairness mm -hmm. and justice. And so talk to me about, you know, our values come from somewhere. 
you know, when we're doing work, and I know this work for you is on purpose and is, you know, your passion and when you talk about it, you, you light up about it. Um, so a bit of that connection piece, I guess, if you don't mind sharing around where that kind of came from mm. and your experience with your upbringing, the difference that kind of made Yeah. Well, what I've learned when I, I didn't mean to get into this work, I fell into it mm-hmm. and I, but I'd always had a passion. I'd always had a passion for, I guess, um, people who had experienced injustice. I Injustice to me is just that thing I cannot let yeah. go of. That is yep. not fair. Yep. And so finding myself in this work just seemed to be, I, I guess it was always my destiny. Mm-hmm. And once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. And when I started at Griffith, our focus really was, and our roots of, and the roots of the program really are in domestic violence and gender-based violence prevention. And when I learned about the fact that domestic violence also doesn't happen in a bubble, right? Then mm-hmm. these people who commit really violent, horrible, abusive acts and use coercive control do it because they've been socialised to believe that they can, right? Mm-hmm. So. Violent men typically believe that women are less than and, and have a deep underlying disrespect for women. And so when I learned that gender equality was the thing that we all need to reach and strive for in order to prevent domestic violence, I also realised then that equality more broadly, equality, racial equality, gender equality, is how we actually create safe and inclusive worlds. Mm-hmm. It's when we look at the use of power and control and we look at the things that lie beneath all of the isms, right, sexism, racism, ableism, homophobia, whatever it is, there's, a, there's, there's attitudes and beliefs and, and supportive attitudes that sit below all of those. And when we start to recognise that and the way that we've been conditioned, the way mm. I was conditioned as a woman... Yeah. the way I was conditioned as a woman of colour, yes. I realised that not only was I um, blind to it, I was also contributing to it. I was also contributing to this culture that said that there was these layers of privilege and layers of oppression and that um, that women are, are less than. I was contributing to that. There was things that I was saying, things that I was doing. I was going to say, how doing. was that like through, yeah, just yeah. your actions, your behaviours, yeah. your own beliefs, your own scripting? Yep. My own, scripting is beautiful. It's a beautiful way to describe it. Mm-hmm. The way that I was, the yeah, the things that I did, the things that I said, <clears throat> the internalised idea that women were supposed to be a certain way, mm-hmm. that women belong in one box, men, be- men belong in another box, and there's a whole heap of attributes that belong to both of those genders as if there's only two and I and playing into that expectations of myself as a woman expectations of other people as men uh what that meant about the way I was supposed to behave and act and look Mm -hmm. and then a whole nother layer of that around being a woman of color in a Mm. a completely white world the way I'd internalized the racism the way I'd internalized whiteness being the supreme mm-hmm. and all of that when I started to do this work all started to become visible to me and I realized that by I guess hitching my wagon to something mm-hmm. bigger yes it gave me a sense of belonging and a sense yes. of purpose and a sense of passion yes and realizing that I can then have those conversations 
and <clears throat> in a really vulnerable way with people and, mm. and hopefully get people to see their own conditioning and the way that then contributes to the way they get about the world. And did that sense of belonging for you, hmm, did that take you a while to kind of find that? And did you, and certainly, as you said, you know, being a woman of colour in a very, obviously, white Mm -hmm. family, maybe schooling, I don't know, for you. Um, But, yeah, so did it take a a while for you to find that sense of belonging? Absolutely. Yeah, and purpose. Yeah, I had to really strip back who I was. Mm -hmm. Um, I had to find who I really was underneath all of that conditioning and all and unlearn and label, all label, label, label. Yeah. <laughs> label, label, label and <laughs> expectation and, you know, all of these things that people want you to be. Yeah, because you were probably that girl in school, were you? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I was the only <laughs> one or one of a handful and that yes. kind of meant that everyone just thought you were related to each other and so then I oh, had to yes. – and then I did Oh, Nushka, you must that. know this yeah. person. He must yes. be such and such a system. <laughs> no, actually, my sister's white, which is really confusing. And so I had to, I had to unlearn <clears throat> and I guess come to terms with the way I had contributed to people's attitudes because mm. my feeling of, you know, well, I'm from a white family and so that makes me different or somehow better mm-hmm. had, yeah, completely contributed to some of those attitudes. So I had to unlearn who I thought I was Mm. to relearn who I am and I'm still learning every day that's good hopefully we all are hopefully we all what about from then um because you know you and I have spoken about you know the corporate space Mm -hmm. particularly you know you know my background in law um and I know a lot of people listening to the podcast, lawyers, owners of law firms, um, or, or in the corporate space. And, you know, I know the MATE program deals a lot with domestic violence. Um, but in the corporate space around equality and fairness and discrimination, and how are we going in that space, I guess, is my question. How are we going right now? Where have we come from? And uh, probably a silly question, but do we have more work to do? <laughs> We've all got more work to do, but I thank you for the question because I we work with a lot of organisations. That's what um, MATE does. We work with mainly corporates, but also pu- uh, public spaces, other universities as well, public agencies. But my work with law firms, I think, is starting to become my favourite for a number of reasons and we started there I think all of this started with one law firm global law firm who had us do some really short sharp sessions around their um, um, capital city offices about domestic violence they had just introduced a domestic violence policy that had some really great provisions in there around domestic violence leave but also Provisions for the bystander. So if you were working in that law firm yes. and you were supporting somebody, you were supporting somebody who worked there or somebody outside of the organisation who was experiencing domestic violence, then you could also access some leave to help mm. them and you could access some support to say, this is what I'm going through and it's really challenging and it might be having some impact on how much I'm producing. Wow, okay. Which I just thought, we thought mm-hmm. was 
fantastic and groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. And so we did some sh- sessions with them around what domestic violence was and then they got us back to talk about gender equality because you can't talk about domestic violence prevention without talking about gender yeah, equality. that underlying, as you said, that, yeah. that belief system that yeah. where does... Where does the behaviour come from? Yes. Because it's it's the paradigms and it's that thought yes. process first before then it manifests in that behavioural yes. aspect, but it comes from somewhere first. Yeah, and I'm not saying that um, that because that law firm had, had a whole heap of domestic violence perpetrators in it, you, could, you had to have the conversation. What it meant was, and what it means for me is, you can have the best policy on paper. You can have the best policy ever written. You can put years into it and financial resources and human resources into developing the policy. But if in that workplace there is sexist language, sexist jokes, a culture that that puts women as less than men, if there's victim blaming, mm-hmm. if you know you're in the lunchroom and somebody picks up the paper that has a story of yet another domestic violence murder and the response is, well, why didn't you just leave? Why don't these women just yes. get out of there? Uh, yes, I, I want to do, do talk to you about that as well, about some of the, the language and responses shortly. So yeah. I need to make a note to talk to you about that. So if that's the conversation that's happening in that workplace, your policy is not worth the paper it's written on because nobody mm. will feel safe enough to access the policy mm-hmm. because you're contributing to this culture that tells them yeah. that maybe what's happened to them is their fault. Mm-hmm. Maybe the things that their abuser is saying to them are true because they're hearing the jokes, they're hearing the language. Mm-hmm. All of that contributes. So yep. when you're talking about wanting to help your people and show that you're an organisation that supports your people who might be using or experiencing domestic violence, then you have to have a conversation about gender equality. Yeah, I love that. So that law firm came back to us and we did a, a lot of... Um, conversations with them about gender equality with their partners and next layer under partners. Yeah, associates. <laughs> yep, that's <laughs> it. Um, and that opened up a lot of doors for us. That is so great. Which has been fantastic. And I'm now, la- the last few weeks, been working with another top-tier law firm about yeah. um, anti-racism, which yes. I think, again, is is paramount to creating Mm -hmm. safe and inclusive workplaces Mm -hmm. if you want diversity and you want inclusion you need people to understand what system we all live and breathe yeah because i think this is what i find and and you know i um i'm guilty of this myself is that fundamentally i I look at the policy or i you know i I hear what what you're saying what others say and i agree and i'm like absolutely what the hell do I do? Yeah. You know, this is the, I think that's the gap is that yeah. I think um, most of the people I work with um, or, you know, either on a professional or, you know, in my personal circles agree, want to do more, want to see this, do value those same things. But it's just like we're just stuck with, I know, mm-hmm. but what does that mean? Like yeah. what do I actually do? And um, so I think the practical action pieces – Love what you said also about, I talk a lot around company culture, organisational culture, and it's the unwritten things, you know, it's the, so yes, if you have a set of values or if you said you have a policy that's written, fantastic, but what's what's the unwritten rules? Because mm. they're the things that, even though that's written in that policy or I see that value up on the wall, mm-hmm. if I don't experience that, 
every single day in, in a meeting or in a one-to-one or in a, in a lunchroom or at a firm dinner or whatever, if I don't experience that, then it means nothing. Yeah. It, it's, that's, you know, culture is alive mm-hmm. and it's happening every day. Um, so a couple of things I want to touch upon that I know even since our conversation, since our breakfast, I have kind of been, you know, I'm not an expert, but I'm like, my friend Anushka has said <laughs> about bystander action and what you can do. So I've been kind of um, second-hand information. Who knows? Hopefully I'm doing some good. But totally. so, so talk to me about, you know, um, you know, that bystander piece, you know, when when someone says something in a meeting but not to you, and so you're kind of just observing it. Yep. Suggestions sort of for what you do. Yeah, it's a really good question. And and everybody wants, most people know, right? Mm-hmm. We want bystanders to, to understand that gut feeling. Mm-hmm. What, want them to feel, say, oh, something just doesn't feel right about that. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole heap of reasons why you might not feel like you can say something. Mm-hmm. And again, that comes back to the culture, right? So if you yes. want, if your firm is looking to empower bystanders to say and do something, then there's a whole heap of work you've got to do around the culture to make sure people feel safe to do that. But as an individual, if you're sitting in that meeting and feeling like something just isn't right or maybe that comment was a bit off mm-hmm. and you don't feel comfortable to say something in that moment, there's so many other things that you can do. And I think people forget or they don't realise that, and that unless you say something in that moment, I think people think unless you say something in that moment, everything's lost. And there's mm-hmm. a whole heap of reasons why I'm not saying something in that moment. I'm afraid of retribution. I'm afraid I might not have heard it right. I'm afraid of making it worse. I'm afraid that I might be next. I'm afraid to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. All of those that things. That person may not want you to say something yeah. on their behalf. Like, yeah. who am I to, you know, if it worried her, which, wouldn't she say something? Yep. Is that, that my place saying, to do it? Yeah, yep. it's the person saying it, it's the partner, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. So what can you still do? Maybe have a conversation with those people afterwards. Mm. Maybe after the meeting, say to that person, is everything okay? That comment made me feel a bit off. And mm. then even if you can have a conversation with the person who said it, I just want, want to know, is everything okay for you? Because some of those comments have made me feel a bit uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. What's going on for you? Or is that how do you think that fits with all of these conversations we're having about inclusion, about mm-hmm. equality, about you know, our values. A conversation like that with either of those people, even the person that was sitting next to you. Yes. When you walk out, say, how do those comments make you feel? Because we'll find that mostly they'll say, oh, my God, they make me feel so uncomfortable too, I just don't know what to say. Yeah. And then you can have a conversation with each other. Mm. Okay, what can we do next time? Maybe you go talk to that person, I'll go talk to this person. We'll just Mm. make sure that they feel like they've got some support. Because the person who's experiencing it, knows it and when no one says anything then we're just sending a message that yeah "Yeah, this is okay yeah or even you know that not say anything or or even actively not agree with it but but laugh it off or Mm. make it as a joke or you know kind of I think for a lot of people don't want to sit with that uncomfortableness yeah. of either the silence or the just letting it hang, you know, a, a comment or something. In the, like they try and fill it yep. and sweep it over or make a joke about it mm-hmm. or, or whatever. Um, 
And look, I know, hopefully not in, in this kind of space, but I know as a facilitator and a presenter, you know, there's been times where um, a CEO or someone in the room has kind of come up to me and said, hey, just when you said this this way, I think in the room it may have made people feel like this. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. I didn't realise that. I am so sorry. Like, I, I, it just came out of my mouth. And sometimes I was trying to be funny about something or, or whatever and no intention behind it. So I'm so grateful as a presenter, facilitator, when some a leader in the room will, as I said, pull me aside and kind of go, hey, that's not, that's not aligned with our culture mm-hmm. or, you know, that's not a value of ours. You know, we, we around here this is more the messaging. Great. Yeah, love that. Thank you so much for letting me know mm-hmm. um, and, and getting that feedback on board. So And that that part, the way you've just modelled being held accountable. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to move away from language about uh, that was somebody holding you accountable versus somebody asking you to self-reflect, inviting yeah. you to think just to one just to question about whether that was appropriate or whether that even aligned with your own values, right? Yes. So what we need as well as as well as empowering people to be able to send that message mm-hmm. of support or accountability we want people to be able to receive the message in a really respectful way as well because yeah. if we're asking people to say something when something doesn't feel right then it's most likely that at some point someone's going to say hey Midge you got that wrong yeah. and then what is your response and your response is beautiful right because everything in us wants to say no I didn't yes you did Mm-hmm. No, I didn't. That's not it. You were completely wrong. So to be able to say, thank you, so sorry, that wasn't my intention, I yeah. um, you know that's going to help me learn, yeah. is the ultimate for people. And if you work in an organisation where that's happening, where you can say, hey, this made me feel a bit off, and now the person says, oh, my God, like let's talk about it, or thank you, or whatever it might be, then we're just going to create this beautiful culture where people feel safe and included, valued, heard, seen, all of those things. And it's just, you know, it's a behavioural thing. I know it's it's a language thing as well, which I'd like to talk about um, around phrasing and language. I had uh, a dear friend of mine who works a lot in the mental health space and I don't know what I was talking about. I don't know what the story was, but I know in a in a keynote or, or a presentation I was giving, I used the word committed suicide, mm-hmm. and she pulled me aside afterwards, and she just said, "Oh, just a little bit of feedback, Midge. Like that that phrase, like committed suicide, is not something now that that um, we like to use, and this is why." And I, again, I was like. Oh boy, I didn't know that. Okay, and it was just again, it was phrasing um, and scripting yep. that that it just came sort of naturally to me, yep. and for me to know and be educated around, um, you know, other different phrases that I could use, um, that were just yeah going to land appropriately. We're going to be respectful and just that different messaging. So I know you mentioned before around. You know, why doesn't she just leave? Or, you know, is there language or phrases or is there, is there something in this space that people can learn from as well or can kind of keep in the front of mind? Yep, absolutely. 
Um, we have everyday language that mm. contributes to inequality or contributes to this culture that um, I guess upholds certain values and certain kind of unwritten rules. Mm-hmm. One word that I know when someone said to me, uh, maybe we need to move away from that. I thought probably what most people think when we talk about language. Oh my God, we got we've gone way too far. But yep. the word is guys. Ah yes, we use. I guys use that Anushka. I use it so much. Everybody uses. Oh, guys. here I'm getting some feedback from Anushka okay. now. She's <laughs> got to go through some of my Mondays with Midja videos and go, Midja, what are you doing? No, it is every day. It's everywhere, right? And mm-hmm. uh, much like you being told that we don't, we no longer use committed suicide, it it costs you nothing to change. Right, mm-hmm. and I remember when my colleague said to me, oh, "I think we need to stop using the word guys." I was like, "Oh God, this, this <laughs> is oh my God, we've gone so this is she's gone too far now." Yes, and then I realised, no, actually, this is she's right, and it costs me nothing to change it. It took me a long time to drop it because it was so. Part what do, of what do you change it to? So I, I need to change it because I use it a lot. What could I say? Some people stuff? say folks or all hi all or hey everyone or I just don't say it. I just yes. don't need, okay. when you realise, I want to explain to probably the people listening mm-hmm. why, but we think it's become a gender neutral term. We think that mm. we, we think that we use it for everyone. Because I mean nothing, yeah. like I don't mean any, Yep. Um, like I, I mean to include everyone yep. when I use that term. Yeah, you're not making Endearing. anyone invisible, that's not your yes. intention. Yep. And our intention is usually never to cause harm. But sometimes the impact is that it's happening around us anyway. So um, people will say, oh, I mean, just everyone. But when you're talking to a group of women or after you've – if you walk into the lunchroom, mm-hmm. say, and there's a group of four or five women, you don't walk out and say, I've just talked to the guys in the lunchroom. Usually you would say something else. Mm-hmm. Or I had lunch with a bunch of guys today. you the terminology really isn't used across the board. Guys are still that's guys. That's some good context there. I get yeah. that. I get yeah. that. So we think that it's that we're using it across the board. We think that we're using it with everyone. But the more we unpack it, the more we realise we're actually not. Guys mm. are still guys. And mm. when they're with women, we can call everyone guys. Mm. But if there's no guys there... We're not calling that bunch of women a bunch of guys. Well, there's a key learning from me from the podcast. It seems so. It's so subtle. Um, yeah. And most people would probably think that it's not going to make any difference. But I feel like any little thing that we can do, anything that we can change, because it, it costs me nothing to drop it. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, as I said, every you know, every day, and all the conversations I have. Um, I think just what we need to be is we just need to be open to this mm-hmm. and we just need to, as you said, like like take this stuff on board and go, okay, what can I do around this? What's like, what difference can I make? And then how am I contributing yep. to this? Yep. There are a couple more um, what else offensive you got for us? words. <laughs> um, so I swear a lot, um, but there are some swear words that I just don't use anymore. Yes. Um, they're very gendered. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't have the same equivalent when we're talking about men. Yes. Um, so I've stopped using them. And what I realised too, particularly words like bitch, um, mm-hmm. what that means is when we're calling someone that or saying that, 
what are we really saying about them? We're yes. saying that they don't kind of fit this view of what a good woman should be. Yeah. And even when we do it in the way of, um, uh, what's it, you know, when we say it, like we, we do it, the B-I-A, yeah. like, how do you say that? Bitches, bet. I don't know. I don't say it. I'm going to leave that one to you. But you know, like they try, like trying to just yeah. make it a bit more hip. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Because my, one of my children, my eldest son, when he was about, I don't know how old he was, thirteen, fourteen, he would come down the stairs in the morning, and he'd be like, "Morning, bitches," <laughs> and I'd be like, "Okay, no, that's." You know, it was like, and again, it was like we all laughed. We thought it was hilarious because there's this young, you know, boy coming down the stairs saying that every morning. But I'm like, okay, no, no, you know, your sister's here. I'm like, it's just not, yeah, it's not language that we want to hear. And again, you know, with, with teenagers and. Yeah, I've heard some interesting song lyrics, uh, some interesting rap. Mm-hmm. I know often they have their, their AirPods on, so I can't mm-hmm. hear it. But if I do occasionally hear it, I'm like, wow. So, yeah, so certainly from now having teenagers. I don't know, how old are your kids, Anushka? Mine are five and eight, so I've got okay. a little bit of time. Yes, you've got a little bit of time. Yeah. But, you know, the TikTok, mm-hmm. the rap, mm-hmm. the scripting, messaging, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a lot. Like, I've got two boys and a girl and... Um. Yeah, I'm like. Sometimes I'm not sure what to do, what yeah. to do, what to say in that space. Yeah, it's it's so challenging as a parent, and there's so much that we don't have any control over, right? Mm-hmm. So we can't control over. We we can't control the music that they're listening to. Yes, we can't control what's in that music. We can't control the movies and whether there's healthy relationships depicted in those movies, whether consent is ever depicted, whether anything healthy is ever in those movies. Um, We've got the internet, we've got got porn, we've got got everything going on Language, right? So I Mm. feel like I also work with perpetrators of domestic violence. So Mm. I work on a men's behaviour change program, which means I get to sit in a room with these guys every week and hear their attitudes and their beliefs and their behaviour and their beliefs towards women... And so those beliefs are then reflected almost everywhere they go, right? Yes. Those, they're listening to the Reinforced. songs. They're listening. They're watching the movies. Mm-hmm. They're watching the porn. But they're having conversations with their mates mm-hmm. where they're also having a bit of a dig at their wife or using sexist language or telling sexist jokes. Mm-hmm. So these guys that sit what we call all the way up here on the continuum yes. think that everybody thinks like them. Yeah, because they're hearing the jokes, they're hearing the language, yeah. they're hearing the way that women are objectified or dehumanised mm-hmm. in at different levels across society. So they think everyone thinks like them. Mm. So anything that we can do down this end of the continuum, mm. where you know there's the gender stereotypes and the language, where we kind of think they're seemingly harmless, they all contribute to what's happening yes. up here. And if you and I at this end as leaders and bystanders can counteract some of those messages then that's how we're tangibly contributing to the prevention of domestic violence because we're maybe saying, hang on, that's probably not it. Or mm. maybe as a, you know, you're saying to your sons and your daughters, you can do whatever you like. You can be whoever you like. You know, it's not based on your gender. It's nothing's mm. based on anything to do with whether you're a boy or a girl or 
any gender. It's about you, who you are yes. and what you like because they're getting conditioned from everywhere, right? So anywhere that we can counteract... You break that circuit a little bit. Yeah. Anywhere where I can say to my kids, why, wouldn't, why do you think mummy wouldn't like this movie? Or why do you think I wouldn't like that language? Or why do... Why I've even had to have conversations about their home readers. Why do you think mummy wouldn't like this book? And yes. it's all about boys like this and girls like this or something that yeah. just reinforces these messages that they're getting from everywhere. So how can I counteract that as a parent? How can I counteract that in any conversation I'm having as a leader? Because what I do or say matters regardless of what space I'm in. And I think the more that we realise that, the better equipped we are to choose to say or do the right thing. Because it's so, it's, yeah, it's, it runs deep. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I've been guilty of walking into rooms, walking into sales meetings, and I hate to admit this, but assuming that the older mm-hmm. male in the room is the CEO mm-hmm. or that they're, that they have the the greatest kind of power or influence in the room. Uh, and there's a couple of times I'm like, oh, boy. And I'm like, what is this condition? Mm-hmm. It's like you work with women in leadership. And, mm-hmm. and still for me, I still, it's it runs deep. Yep. And to consciously try and, um, as you said, like break that circuitry, um, it's challenging to do, but something that, yeah, for me and I know for many others, it's it's something that really committed to doing. We, we, we want to see this change happening. Amazing. Particularly, so, you know, because I kind of think that, you know, it's, uh, you know, leaders can, can just have the greatest influence and, and everyone is looking at them. Everyone's watching everything they do. They're always on stage. So leaders listening today, um, and I know so many leaders are, want, want to do better, um, have uh, this legacy piece around the leadership and, and what they want to leave behind and the difference they want to make. Um, individual leaders, what can they do in this space? As what do we indi- need from our leaders? As an individual, as somebody in a position of power mm. in an organisation, um, there's a, there's a whole heap of things. Um, people over profit is my main goal. Yes. So people to understand that, which I know is challenging, particularly in somewhere like law firms where it's, you know, there's the tradition and the hierarchy and, yes. the, you know, the economy of a law firm is, is huge. So understanding, I suppose, what you can do if that's too big to change. Yes. What can we do within that? Mm-hmm. Where, what conversations are we having? How do we show that we are somebody who's wanting to do better? Mm-hmm. So I would implore, I would, I'm begging of partners in law firms to have the conversations to say, here's what our values are, here's what it looks like to live them, here's what it sounds and feels yes. like every day if we are doing mm-hmm. this well, and I want you to hold me accountable. The biggest thing that I hear when I'm having conversations in law firms but any organisation mm-hmm. is... I don't want to say something because it'll be career limiting. I don't want to be the person that says, that sounds a bit off to me mm-hmm. because it might be career limiting. It's a risk to me in my job. Mm. That is so easy to undo. If that is a perceived risk, even if it's a real risk, mm-hmm. that's easy to undo. Yes. By partners or executives saying, 
this is what we want. Mm -hmm. This is what we want of you because this is going to help us create a firm where everybody wants to work. Everybody is safe. They feel included. They feel like they belong regardless of who they are, regardless of their gender, their background, their age, their ability. Mm -hmm. Everybody is... Everybody needs to feel like they belong here. So if I am at any point doing something that is not working towards that as a goal, then tell me and I will do better. Do better. Yeah, and I will do better because I I don't know. We don't know what we don't know, particularly when we have, like you said, the way our and we've been conditioned, (laughs) the way that we can walk into a room and and. and assume that somebody is the leader, that is because they typically have been, right? right. So there's a lot to unlearn. Yes. And the more that we actively, proactively say, this is what we're looking for and this is, what, this is the culture we want to create, we need all of us to, help to do that. But my role as an executive or a leader, as a person with a position of power this is what I am asking of you to do. And if anyone doesn't feel safe to say or do something, then we need to know that too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, I always ask my guests, I know we've spoken a lot about um, leadership. It's also a podcast about love. And I, so this year I started, and I might have told you this, this year I've been single for a very long time, about seven years. Um, and this year I was like, this is the year for big love. I don't know why. It just felt like I was just putting it out there for the universe, big love. So I'm always interested in just the love that my guests have in their life. doesn't matter whether it's romantic love or friendship love or whatever it is, but always keen to talk about... Yeah, kind of your love story, mm-hmm. um, whatever that kind of looks like for you. Um, and also love advice for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do with all this love advice, but I'm going to put it in a book or do something with it. And a great idea. Yeah. So love mm. for you, Anushka. I have been with my husband for coming up to 15 years. Wow. And we've been married for six of those years and we've had two children. Mm -hmm. And I am not the person he met. I'm a completely different woman. I'm a different woman to the woman he married. Through Mm -hmm. this work, I'm learning and growing and changing and evolving. And he has been strong enough. Yes. And had enough courage to learn and grow with me. And I can... It can be as literal as coming home and saying, oh, actually, we're just not going to say guys anymore. And then saying, <laughs> okay, <laughs> no problem. And, and doing it and learning and being yes. open. We are completely equal parents mm-hmm. in the household, which has meant that he has had to make sacrifices. Yes. Um, much like a law firm, he was in an industry, he was in a construction industry that didn't allow for him mm-hmm. to have flexible hours, mm. didn't allow for him to be there at school pick-up or school drop-off. Mm-hmm. And so he made sacrifices to so that we could both have a career, we could both be equal, we could both be there equal amounts of time with our kids. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, has been the thing that has made me fall in love with him time and time again because mm-hmm. we are equal. He sees me as his equal, he values me, and he 
will learn and grow with me. Yeah, that learning, that growing. Um, yeah, because I imagine for some people, like the work that you do in this space, and it's you know, it's big work, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it it could be that so not in, not intimidated by it. I don't know what word I'm trying to find, but yeah, I could just imagine that for some people it would be. Hard. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's hard and you know, you've changed and, mm-hmm. yeah. And certainly even, like, I certainly don't do the work that you do, but occasionally I get comments or, you know, I've had guys say to me, oh, that's a lot. Mm. You know, what you do is a lot and you seem like there's a lot of passion and I'm not sure about it. I'm like, don't you want, I don't understand why you don't want someone yeah. that's passionate and in love with what they do and, is trying to make this difference and mm-hmm. I don't know why that's a negative thing but I have kind of felt that. Well, not even yeah. felt it. I've been told it. Wow. And that's intimidation, right? That's a yeah. that feeling that they are supposed to have a role in a relationship. You are supposed to have a role mm. in a relationship. And that would be my advice to you. Is never, yeah. ma- never make yourself small. I'm not making myself small. Yeah. Sometimes I've tried this and my, my good friends who are listening will know a couple of um, things that haven't gone so well, a couple of dating scenarios that haven't gone so well. And, yeah, and certainly <laughs> afterwards they've gone, where did Midja go to? Mm. Like that was not you. And I felt like I was playing, having to play a part, yeah. you know, because, oh, don't dance that way because that's too much or don't say that, don't let him, don't let that big Midja out because that's too much. Um, so absolutely, I love that advice. I love that. Hard to do. Hard to do sometimes. Hard to do. And of course there is, you know, I find for most relationships, even working relationships for me, there's always a bit of a honeymoon period. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, work mm-hmm. I've done with the Queensland Law Society. And I think at the start I was kind of, you know, I was kind of sussing them out. They were sussing me out when I'm working with a new client. And then once I get to know them a little bit more, I'm like, oh, yeah, now we can really, yeah. now let's do the real work. Yeah. Now let's talk about what's really going on. But I, I kind of feel you need to create some safety and some trust and and all of that. I think that's kind of normal. Um, but uh, that being able to be yourself, that learning and growing together, that's yeah. what I want. Yeah. To learn and grow together yeah. and that appreciation, that equality. Mm. And it's okay. It's okay to be different. It's okay to do mm. something differently and say, oh, yeah, I probably would have done that last year, but now I'm different. And yeah. So now I'm not in that space yeah. anymore. No, I've yeah. changed. That's right. I love that. That's cool. Um, Anushka, we have like a segment, our last segment that we do, which is hmm, it's like the fortune cookies without the cookie part. <laughs> <laughs> I should really get these made into little cookies or something, actually. Uh, it's kind of like a woo-woo message from the universe type of thing that we do. So I have two boxes of cards. Uh, today I have the Carpe Diem in the studio and I, or I have the Trust Your Crazy Ideas. Which box is talking to you today? Carpe Diem. Carpe Diem. Here's the day. All right, we're getting the cards out. Let's see. What message is for you today, Anushka? Pick one of those. Oh, is that the top? Oh. Yep. So you um you open the front of it. 
Oh, I love we got that sound effect in the mic. <laughs> the achievement of your goal is assured the moment you commit yourself to it. Oh. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> I love every time I there, people go, ah, mm. ooh. Yeah. Can take that with you this Thank week. You. Take that with you. Anushka, it's been an absolute delight and I know people are going to want to find out more about the work you do, um, connect with you personally as well. Um, so talk to us a little bit around that. How can people find you, work with you? Um, you can find me personally, probably LinkedIn is easiest, mm-hmm. Anushka Dowling, um, Mate Bystander Programme. Um, matebystander.edu.au is our website mm-hmm. and we're on all socials as well, Mate Bystander. Um, we also have released a new app called Be There, which okay. is about um, helping people or supporting people who you may know who might be using or experiencing domestic violence, coercive control. So the app can help you to do all of that and you can reach us through the app as well. Excellent. Fantastic. We'll have obviously all those links and everything in the show notes as well. What a delight. Thank you so much That's for so having nice. me. Because Anushka and I, we had coffee a couple of months ago now. Um, and yeah, one of those coffee conversations where, I mean, I, I try and be present in the moment, but in the back of my mind I was like, this is some good stuff. I wish I had my microphone. I wish others could hear that. So um, when I have those conversations with people, I'm like, oh, they have to come on the podcast and be a guest and, and share their wisdom and their insights and, and what they do with more and more people. So I, and I really admire the work that you do. Thank you so much. I admire what you do. We need you. Thank you. You too. So that is a wrap for our podcast uh, this week. uh, It's been a great episode, wonderful conversation. Go out there this week and be yourself, be authentic, be real. I know some of those tips Anushka uh, told us today, I'm going to uh, not say have a great week, guys. Not saying that. No more. Uh, Have a fabulous Monday. I'm Midja. Thank God it's Monday. We trust you enjoyed this episode of the Mondays with Midget podcast. Host Midget Fisher is a leadership expert, keynote speaker, coach and facilitator. To find out more about Midget, visit midja.com.au or follow her on Instagram, Midget Fisher. And make sure you subscribe, share and leave a review.